Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sports Fixins Podcast. I am Michael Lyon. Along with me today is Dustin Minkley. And sadly, Minkley, uh, we tried to record a different way last week, and it didn't work. Well, I mean, it did work. It's just that the upload didn't work. Uh, Anchor did not like what I had to offer it, and therefore we did not have a show last week. Sad, sad because... We had quite the fun show last week. We'll go over some of the stuff we missed last week uh, with NFL for Agency because it does it is worth repeating. Um, but other than that, today for you, we basically have the NBA trade deadline and the NFL for Agency. And that is kind of it because that is a lot to cover. So before we get into all that, I will ask what I always ask, which is... <laughs> Mr. Justin Minkley, how are you, my friend? I'm pretty good, Mike. There's a lot I've been able to do and keep up with. Uh, I'm just trying to do the best I can right now. Good, uh, good. How are you, my good friend? I would say I'm just doing just fine and dandy. Good, good. Um, yeah. No RJ again this week, as usual. <sighs> very, very busy man. I miss RJ. Hopefully we get to have him on again sometime. Yeah, I do too. But anyway, so this week on the Sports Fixins podcast, uh, we're going to talk about the NBA and the NFL, and we're going to start with the National Basketball Association. Trade deadline has just passed. It was yesterday, and I, as a Bulls fan, am the happiest I've been in a long time. I would love to hear why you are so happy. So, the Bulls' deadline day moves. They trade Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter and two first-round picks for All-Star Center Nikola Vucevic and Alfa Ricamino, who's a great role wing player dude. And then they turned around and traded Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson to the the Wizards, rather, for Mortiz Wagner and Troy Brown Jr., then they turned Mortiz Wagner back around to the Celts for Daniel Dice. Yeah. So, in the end, the Bulls Hall is Nikola Vucevic, Alfarik Aminu, Troy Brown Jr., and Daniel Dice. So, you got a new starting Ooh. center, a new starting small forward, and a new second-line center who was starting in Boston. And you got a lot better. Now, the, the way in particular that they will get much better is defense because while Nikola Vucevic is not an insane defensive player, yeah. Wendell Carter had no idea how to play the pick-and-roll defense. And... It kind of looks like AK and Bulls management said, well, you know what? We need to not wait for this. We need to step our window up. And this is how you step your window up. Nikola Vucevic was an all-star this year so far in 44 games. He's averaging 24 and a half points. He's having the best year of his career. 24 points and 12 boards a game. And he's averaged a block and a steal for the better part of his career. Now, again, he has no all-defensive teams, but he is much better at defense than Wendell Carter. 
other than at the rim, like the other kinds of defense, you know, like playing pick and rolls and switching and doing things that Billy Donovan would like to do. He is much better at that than um, uh, Wendell is. Also, his uh, win shares Mm -hmm. in his career, he has done very well in that department, so he has been a very valuable player much of his career. And so far in this year, Minkley, most defensive rebounds in the league. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Which is very good for the Bulls. That is very good for them. Because they love, love to shoot the ball. They do with how Billy Donovan's gotten this offense to perform well this year. And I'm very impressed with how, you know, even if they don't win some of these games, um, they've been able to stay pretty competitive. Mm -hmm. And they look better. They look better, uh, and I still think they'll make the playoffs. Voos is owed $26 million this year. He's owed 24 next year and 22 the year after. The Bulls have plenty of room with the Otto Porter move. So he is good. Alfarik Aminu is one of, and I say prize, that's not like an insane player or anything, but like Alfarik Aminu is, it, the Blazers were at their best when he was there. Um... I'm trying to spell his name. How far? Ooh. Why won't you find him basketball reference? I'm trying to find Aminu. F-A-R. F-A-R. O-U. Here we go. Alpha Rukumini. I'm trying to spell his name. Um, Alfred Gamino is a role player this year. He's only averaging 5.5. He's seen his role significantly decreased, but he is still a good defender. Averages five and a half boards, you know, plays the offensive defensive glass. Well, yeah, he'll get starting minutes in Chicago, which will see his numbers go back up. Yeah. But Aminu being in in Chicago will be a good thing for the Bulls. He's a pretty been a pretty solid player, bumped around from team, bumped around through teams as most role guys do. But he's been a pretty solid player for a while, and it's not like they need him to be a primary scoring option anyway. So the Bulls got better. Um, Daniel Tice is a true traditional center, but he's for your second line, so it doesn't really matter. It's fine. And he a small forward. No, Daniel Tice is a center. That's strange because when I looked at actually his position up, it said either small forward or power forward. No, Daniel Tice is six foot uh, ten or six Dang. foot eight. Sorry, he's a six foot eight center. Yeah, I just okay. So that actually confirms something else we're going to be talking about. So your your center quote unquote room. Um, Went from Luke Cornett and Wendell Carter to Nikola Vucevic and Daniel Tice. The center is not the most important position in the world, of course, but you got you just got significantly better in your worst area. Yeah. There were some people that did think that they were going to move. Um, excuse me, they were going to move either Lowry Markkinen or Fad Young. 
But no, the, the Bulls have gone in the other direction and have decided to run with this period of the Bulls. And I totally agree with that. If they can play better defense and bring in a big scoring post, you know, they will be a playoff team, especially with Boston being as bad as they are. Um, uh, and yeah, and I think this symbolizes more for the Bulls than just that because for the Bulls, for the longest time, they have been a archaic and um, prehistoric franchise that doesn't make moves that in some cases, I'm sorry, Tibbs, I love you, but I have to call you out for this one, doesn't play rookies. Um, and people don't want to go to. The last big Bulls free agent was a guy by the name of Carlos Boozer. Yeah. Pretty- Carlos Boozer is not by any means a bad NBA player and had good seasons. And has looked back with some sort of fondness from Bulls fans. However, when you get Carlos Boozer instead of LeBron, you know. Yeah. Just so, makes you feel down. Right. Because it's like, we're going to get LeBron. Nah, nah, you're getting Carlos Boozer. Oh. Boo! <laughs> so yeah. anyway, with the LeBron with LeBron deal aside, that was the last time the Bulls got a big free agent. Unless you consider Dwayne Wade's corpse a free agent. I forgot he was actually with the Bulls for a yep. Um, or Rondo, unless you consider the corpses of Rajon, uh, that's when Rondo everybody thought was dead. Um, unless you consider the corpses of Rondo and Wade to be big free agents, but I don't. Yeah, so they I, haven't I gotten a big free agent in forever, <laughs> and not that they have gotten one here. But the reason they haven't gotten a big free agent is because their management team was such a joke. Now oh, it's apparent to NBA players. Not only did they change it, the um the management team. Not only did they change the management team, which will allure people to Chicago, because now you don't have two complete morons running the team. That is very true. They changed that. They also changed, hey, we have actual talent here now, and we'll go get talent to put around you, Mr. Leonard. I'm not saying they're getting Kawhi. I'm just saying, like, whoever we're talking about here in terms of a big free agent, not only is it not a joke anymore, but we have actual, like, here is physical proof that we will make this team better. We went and got a well-respected player in Aminu, and we went and got Nikola Vucevic, who's an all-star. Come here. Come play. Because now all of a sudden, Minkley, the Bulls have two all-stars. Yeah, and and not just two all-stars where it's like, you know, they're bench players. Vucevic can actually be developed, too. That's one of my favorite things about this trade. And I I had touched on uh, in my NBA first-half analysis about should the Magic actually just back the truck up and, and start over, or what should they do? And it looks like, well, they're backing the truck up, and we'll talk more on that uh, later on, but... Nikolai Vesevich is absolutely the type of player a lot of teams would covet on their team. 
because while he has a great impact already, he can still be developed and tooled by, and especially by a coach like Billy Donovan. Like you're seeing the Bulls' offense improve already. You just said like they're taking more shots per game. There, the defense is there, but you add a playmaker like this in when they're just on the fringe of getting into the playoffs, and this could actually be the jettison or the spark that the Bulls need. So this is, and I think, I mean, look, I and I also think I mentioned this before, so I want to say this now. I mentioned this before we started. I think this sells tickets too. Because Bulls fans believe in you again. This is the biggest trade the Bulls have made in a hell of a long time. In a way too long a time. So, people actually kind of believe in you now. Which is very good. And, uh... So, uh, I want to move on to Orlando because, mainly, the Magic had a hell of an active trade deadline. They trade, we just said, they traded Vucevic and Alfa Rikaminu. So they get back Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, um, 2021 and 2023 first-round picks. Evan Fournier heads off to the Celtics for Jeff Teague and second-round picks in 2025 and 2027. Aaron Gordon heads to the Nuggets for Gary Harris. uh, Sorry, Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark Jr. head to the Nuggets in exchange for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, a top-five protected first-round pick in 2025. Now, Jeff Teague is going to get bought out, and they just traded Fournier for two seconds. Orlando, I think they had a solid trade deadline. I think it's the right move to blow it up. They got significant. They weren't going to hang. And I think it's good they accepted that. Aaron Gordon needed a change of scenery to reach anywhere near his potential. And... Um, I mean, I obviously love Moose going to the Bulls for selfish reasons. Yeah. But yeah, I think they had a very good deadline. They got back in total Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, uh, two first-round, or sorry, in total for all their assets, three first-round picks, Otto Porter, Wendell Carter, two seconds, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and... uh, yeah, because they're going to buy out Jeff T. That's not a bad haul for three players. Three firsts, two seconds, and some younger role players like Harris and Wendell Carter. So, like, they won't be an offensive, you know, because, like, like, Wendell Carter and Otto Porter, who I'd assume, well, I can't trade him now because that's the deadline. Um, I'd assume they'd release to free up cap space to do something at, come the end of the year. But at Wendell Carter and Otto Porter and uh, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, like that doesn't equal offensive basketball. You know, like no. that's actually like that is still the makings of a legitimate NBA basketball team. It's not like they traded all their stuff just for picks and now they're starting directs. I mean, are they. Are they as good as they traded as the players they traded? No, but some of these guys has potential. I still think Gary Harris can be better than what he's been so far in his career. I think he's got a little more there. He's overshadowed in in Denver by a bevy of people. And Wendell Carter is like twenty and has a crap ton of potential. 
but you traded an all-star to get him, so that makes sense. Otto Porter is a really good 3 and D player, so the Magic can still, like, kind of compete if they if they have to do that to sell tickets it, next year. But, like, they can put uh, something out there that doesn't offend you so you don't piss your fans off completely. While at the same time rebuilding and getting assets for the future. So, good job, Orlando. I think I think you did a pretty good job there. What do you think, Binkley, about Orlando's deadline day? <sighs> you know, I, I think they were in a dilemma where... They were paying a lot of money for this roster. Yep. But the best they could do was probably the seventh or eighth seed in the East. And their problem was the teams that they faced in the playoffs the past two years were hands down better than them. Toronto, uh, the year they won the championship, and uh, the Bucs. Now, they savaged one win out of those series, but that's Mm -hmm. about it. And... At some point, I think Magic fans, because I have a few friends who were Magic fans, they said at some point, you know, one or two of those guys were were going to go. But I don't think a lot of people expected, or, you know, if you don't pay attention, those people didn't expect those players to be out the way they were for a complete rebuild. And I think that's what actually is the shocking part for a lot of people. Like they they unleashed Aaron Gordon, Nikolai Vucevic, and I mean I mean uh, some of these other guys. I mean I can't even Evan Fournier. I think is another one. He got shipped to Boston. <coughs> Just unleashing all your starters. And look, they weren't going to make the playoffs anyway this year. But that was because they were facing a lot of injuries. The fact that they're just saying, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a whole rebuild right here." In some ways, a bit surprising, although I am not. Um, I just think it's interesting where the, the East is still up for grabs. I would have done this probably after the season, but they they really said, screw it, we're going to go full rebuild. Which will set you up for a good first and a good draft this year. It does, and I think the better part is, too, what have we discussed? The basketball free agency is not going to be good unless you really want to develop a bench. Mm-hmm. Your top two free agents, if they actually become free agents, are Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard. Other than that, there's nothing that screams uh, five-star talent out of that. Isn't Pandemic P a free agent? No, Pandemic P is getting paid. Oh. I mean paid. So I'll run down deadline day for you. Um, so start of deadline day, which was March 25th. Start of deadline day at uh, 12.30 in the morning on deadline day. Happy deadline day. Uh, Pistons move DeLon Wright to the Kings for Corey Joseph in two seconds. The earth-shattering move that that is. So we started out pretty quiet. Next move is Denver Nuggets acquiring JaVale McGee for Isaiah Hartenstein, a 2023 protected second and an unprotected second in 2027. Is that a big deal? No. Not bad. 
Not bad for the Nuggets, but no. Then the Vucevic trade goes down at 10.36. Or, sorry, at 11.05. 10.36, it gets reported by Woj. Then the Magic trade Evan Fonier. Then the Lakers do a questionable thing and trade Lou Williams in two seconds for Rajon Rondo. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, we will. <laughs> um, then the Nuggets get Aaron Gordon for, and we mentioned those assets earlier. Yep. Bulls make their second deal and get uh, uh, Mortiz Wagner and Troy Brown Jr. And I was like, oh, because I like Daniel Gafford. Like, it sounds like a weird person to like, but I like Daniel Gafford. Let me go. You traded Danny Gafford for frickin' Martitz Wagner? A very underrated move. Philadelphia 76ers get George Hill. And I know he's old, but he can still score and he can still shoot. And um, what can't Ben Simmons do? So, yeah. You get the point guard who can do the things Ben Simmons can't do. So come playoff times, Ben Simmons, you can slot him in at the four. Uh, Raptors send Norman Powell to the Trailblazers for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. This was a lot of, there's a lot of speculation at this point that they would be dealing Kyle Lowry. But that never did materialize, which I think is interesting. Because I think Toronto moving to blow it up is a really, really good move. Would have been a really good move if they had found the right suitor. I don't think they have to. Like, they need to rate for the right offer. But I think them blowing it up is a good idea. Um, Hey, by the way, Minkley. Yeah. The Oklahoma City Thunder, in the next seven years, how many picks do you think they have? I would say over four dozen. Uh, okay, not quite. They have 34 picks. Act- I can't believe I was actually close. I was thinking, do they have over or under 50? Cause no, I- it's 34. 34. But um, most teams, the the average team, if you keep your first and your second, would have 14. Yeah. So the Thunder have a ridiculous amount of assets. Yeah, how are they going to make a team with that many picks? Well, you trade people. You you get better players out of it. Because now firsts are, can- are penny candy. They have 17 firsts in seven years. The funny thing is, though, 10 of those are from the Clippers, so. That, yeah, that's, that's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> uh... hello, hello, Herschel Walker trade. Yeah, the thing was, at least Herschel Walker actually did things. Like, I, I don't see how Pandemic P is going to do things. He still isn't. Let's see. Two o'clock, the Rondo deal got finalized. Terrence Davis got sent to the Kings for a second um, from the Raptors. And a lot of people thought, oh, oh, here we go. You know, this is the, you know, this is Toronto clearing now a second roster spot for extra dudes coming back in the Lowry deal that never materialized. So Ujiri just kind of sends off to minor, well, I don't know if Norman Powell's a minor player. Um, He sends off a mid-rotation, mid-slash-back-rotation player and a back-end-of-the-bench player for some seconds 
and kind of replenishes what they have to offer him. Because Norman Powell only had that one good year anyway. Um, and did not move Kyle Lowry. Uh, Houston made a really interesting move, Justin. And I want to know if you like this deal. Uh, it is Victor Oladipo, who was, if, if I mean, everybody pr- probably going to forget that he was ever on the Rockets. Yeah. Oladipo from the Rockets to the Heat. So Oladipo and Jimmy Butler play together. I think this is four years too late for that to be awesome. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I think this is like is. this is like four years too late. Not of Jimmy's career, but of of uh, uh, Victor's career. Like if this is four years ago when Victor Oladipo is one of the best defensive guards in the league, yeah, like that's like awesome. Um, uh, they get uh, so in exchange for Victor Oladipo, the Miami Heat give up Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and pick swap rights. So, um, why in 2022? I should have said that. Why Houston would want to pick swap with Miami in 2022? I'd love to know. Um, you traded Victor Oladipo for Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk. So. I know Victor Oladipo wasn't worth a ton because he's a bit older at this point and he's hurt, but even still, this feels like a low return. So you know, what do, can you what imagine? Can you imagine like you could have had Karis Levert and that other guy on the on the Cavs, but um, not Victor Oladipo, and you flip him for Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, it's... Oh. This team really wants to be bad. Speaking of Cavaliers, Andre Drummond is supposed to get bought out, so Boston might have a new center. It's about time. Andre Drummond went from averaging like 20 and 20 to being like, this guy sucks, and still averaging like 15 and 15, which is weird. Well, he also can't shoot free throws, so that's... no. Enough. I think him shooting underhanded would be better than he is now. But uh, but yeah, this is a very active and fun trade deadline. I think my biggest winner, and this is, of course, biased as hell, I think my biggest winner is the Bulls just because of what this memes, memes means and the example they set for the franchise. I'm trying to decide on a biggest loser. I don't know whether it's Houston or not. If it's Houston or maybe I don't I don't know if I can call Toronto the big loser because I don't think Toronto has to do the rebuild right this second. I think they can like hang on a minute and and still move Lowry for something good and Fred Van Fee or like whatever it is you want to do, like whatever assets you want to move. I think you can still move them for good players slash picks if you just wait a second and you know, I don't think they needed any deal. They needed a good deal slash the right deal for them. So I don't know if, if Toronto necessarily had a bad deadline. I guess the loser would have to be Orlando. I mean, just simply because of who they lost and like how much worse their team is now. But then again, they kept their team semi-competitive in some basketball games and acquired some assets for the future. 
So was it really that bad, though? So I don't find anybody who has a glaringly horrible deadline. I think the Bulls had a very good one. Um, I would definitely say that Miami had a good one. They tried to get better. I guess if I had to say anything, but then again, I I don't know if they needed to. Um, My bad deadline would go to Boston. And this kind of transitions us into our next point. And Minkley, if you want to bring anything else up about the deadline, you sure can. But um, I just there's something not right in Boston, and I think Boston may have needed to do something. And the only thing they did was get Mortis Wagner. Now that could wind up being freeing up money to to sign Andre Drummond, which would sure be a big thing. But I don't know. I mean, that's just. As of right now, and Drummond is on the list of the Lakers and a bunch of other places. So it's no, you know, it's by no means a guarantee they would get Drummond. And and if you're wondering, like, why the hell would Boston get Drummond? Well, they need a center horribly. Um, Mortiz Wagner isn't going to cut it at all. So they're, I think, in my opinion, they're basically banking on either small ball or they think they seriously think that they're getting. Um, they're not going to get LaMarcus Aldridge. He's supposed to either go to Miami or Brooklyn. So they think they're getting Drummond when he gets bought out of his contract. Um, but yeah, no, um, I maybe Boston, just because they did so little, is is the only team I can think of that really had a bad deadline. Um, or maybe just Houston, because that Oladipo trade was kind of a ugh, deal. Yeah, I'm actually going to say the... Uh, I, I think that's actually um, a tie with me. I'm going to say that okay. one's really bad. The Oladipo deal? I think probably the worst one that you can say is up there, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit tying or going past it, is the Rajon Rondo-Lou Williams trade. Yeah, they, yeah, I forgot about that one. That's a really bad trade. I don't know if I said that. It's Lou Will and yeah, I did. It's Lou Will and two seconds for Rajon. And I mean, look, the, what makes this trade ass is just the fact that if you're the Clippers, you don't have any first round draft picks. Congratulations, nope. you traded those away. Now you have no seconds. Uh, yeah, you have no seconds. And oh, by the way. The one of the best bench players. Get this, Mike. Lou Williams is one of three all-time sixth men. Mm-hmm. Three who scored over ten thousand points. Yep. They traded him for Rajon Rondo. Now Montrez Harrell won Sixth Man of the Year last year. They they let him go to the Lakers. Yep. And so now it's you got Tyron Lou as your coach. Okay, not bad. You got Pandemic P, who can't play when it matters most, and you got Kawhi Leonard, who's on load management most of the time because his knees are shot. And the Clippers really think they can win a championship. Apparently, with this roster. So I, I find it kind of funny when people, you know, are are saying you know the Clippers have an open shot in the West. I mean, they do technically. But you trade Lou Williams for out of prime Rajon Rondo. I don't way know. out of prime Rajon Rondo. Not just out of way out of prime. Way out of prime. I, I mean, what are they thinking? And and what this does for the Hawks is 
This makes them a legitimate playoff candidate. I mean, we've said they could be on the border most of the season. They're a lower seed, probably. I thought they would go to the playoffs. Super Bowl, but they're not right now. Uh, hey, Rajon Rondo's 35. You know what yeah, I mean? Rajon Rondo's stat. This is what this is what they did. They literally traded this because of Rondo last year in the playoffs because he was one of the best players on the floor for the Lakers because he's smart. You want to hear Rondo's actual stats, Justin? Yeah. Four points, two boards, four assists. That's awful. That's what just got. Now, he has never been a scorer. But that's what just got. That's what you just traded Lou Will for. You traded. Let me go find Sweet Lou. Like Lou Williams is like a twenty point a game kind of. He's only averaging twelve right now, but like last year was eighteen. The season before was twenty. You traded a twenty point game a night score for leadership, legitimately. And you gave them two seconds, too. Which, are they incredible? No. Is it still two bites at the apple at a good player? Yes. You, how many bites at the apple do you have because of the the Paul trade? None. So, yeah. that's uh, I would agree with you. That's a bad trade. That that's awful on so many levels. Right. Like I actually don't know what's worse between the Oladipo trade and this one. Like the Oladipo trade, it makes sense because the Rockets want to be bad. Yes, they want to be terrible, but I just don't think they got anything back. They didn't. They really didn't. Like to be honest, it's just doesn't feel like they got anything back at all. Well, did the Clippers really get anything back? <laughs> well, no, no, I'm I'm not saying that. But you said, yeah, Houston wants to be bad, but Orlando wants to be bad too. But they got actual now. Well, the Depot is not Nikola Vucevic, but like they actually got assets back. Yeah. Like, how does if if Aaron Gordon is worth? two good players and a first, then why isn't Victor Oladipo or Lou Williams? Maybe not Lou. Well, I'll put Lou in there. Why isn't Lou Williams and Victor Oladipo worth not, like, more than Rajon Rondo and some scraps? Which is what they got for Avery Br- old man Bradley. Which is and Kelly Olynyk, which is what they got for freaking Oladipo. So yeah, two bad trades there. Sexy, yes, I forgot about the Clippers deal, so I'm gonna put the Clippers as my worst trade deadline. I think because they got worse for no reason, and I think the the big one, I think a actual one that will fly under the radar is Denver getting Aaron Gordon, put him next to Nikola Jokic, and getting a second line center in Javale McGee. Denver had a pretty darn good deadline. 
And they didn't give up on hell of a lot to do it because of how many minutes Malik Beasley plays for them. So it's not like they even need Gary Harris that much anymore. He doesn't do a hell of a lot for them, even though he's a decent NBA player. They just kind of didn't need him and turned into something that they could use in Aaron Gordon. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a great deadline for Denver as well as Chicago. Who's your best trade deadline? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Oladipo trade for Miami. Okay. The um, other side of the Oladipo trade. I think that actually helps and gives them some depth in the playoffs. Uh, they one badly thing, need. Yeah, they need legs. They need working legs. And this actually lets Oladipo play those minutes, which is something that you can't really say about many of the other trades. Um, I do agree that the Bulls trade with in uh, getting Vucevic is actually your probably second best one. It's your best one long term too. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, what you said about Denver. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually say you know you get Jamal Murray, but now you got Aaron Gordon, and that actually helps out give you some playoff depth. Gordon's been in the playoffs. He's just been on the shit end against very good teams. Like Nikola, or, uh, Nikola, Vucevic. Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Jamal Murray. Yeah. I can name a lot worse top threes than that. <laughs> Is it LeBron and AD and whatever else? No. But is it what Paul George and Kawhi Leonard should be? No. Um, is it what they are? No. But uh, but I could name much, much worse top threes in the NBA right now. Like, Denver's a good team. Yeah, they are. Does Aaron Gordon win them a championship? I doubt it. But at the same time, it does make them better, and I think give them more of a chance to do that, which is ultimately what you want to do. So, and Denver's... In a contention window, and there's no reason to think they're in anything other than a contention window because of how good Jamal Murray played in the playoffs last year and what a good player he is and Nikola Vucevic. Or, um, Jokic, sorry. Yeah. I was, I've always, I've always confused Jokic and Yusuf Nurkic and (laughs) Jokic and Vucevic, so. Uh, but yeah, no, I think the trade deadline was a lot of fun for me, especially as a Bulls fan. Yeah, it's good to be on the receiving end of very good trades. Yeah, what I saw there, I haven't seen in forever. Um, Are you ready to move on to the NFL? Uh, Yeah, I will say maybe, you know, team-wise losers. Clippers, obviously, you know the Rockets are going to be bad. But I I actually would put Toronto in that category from what you said. I think Toronto actually could have maximized some things. Yes, I think they wanted some a uh, couple of certain players from the Lakers, uh, and the Lakers said no. But other than that, um, kind of disappointed. And I will say, you know, that you asked me about Boston. You know, are, what are they? I think this team is bad because uh, Daniel Tace. I mentioned it. What I had seen before was he was either a small or a power forward and he'll be used as probably a center 
with the Bulls. Yeah, he has been a center his whole... I don't know where you get the small forward thing because he's been a center his whole career. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I actually double-checked. Um, but it, it was actually brought up in my blog mm-hmm. where they need some additional height. And now... Hey, he is only six foot eight, though, by the way. Which is, is a problem for most of them. Um... But they got Kemba Walker this offseason. It looks like he just took the money and committed highway robbery <laughs> the Celtics. But they, they just don't look good. No, they and don't. I wonder, is, is Brad Stevens' is coaching going stale? Is it this roster needs an overhaul? I don't know what it is. This roster is good. The roster is really good. And all they can do is what? The eighth seed. Yeah, I mean, and all they can do is choke in the playoffs, and then this year when it's like, okay, you know, Toronto's not here, done with the bubble, like, all right, you know, here you go, Boston, here's your... No. They're... Not only are they not the top team in the East, they're not even in the picture. They're barely in the playoff picture. And I hate to say it, Boston, but... Uh, these are the teams below you right now. So Boston is 21 and 23, 10 and a half games back. Indiana did nothing. Bulls got a lot better. And the teams around you, Miami and Atlanta, who's at six and seven, guess what they just did? What? Got a lot better. Yeah. Atlanta added more scoring in Lou Williams, and Miami added a good player in Victor Oladipo. Yeah. And might get LaMarcus Aldridge. Whatever's left to his career. So you're probably not going to move up because the two teams above you are going to move up ahead of you because they both just got better. And the team below you, the Bulls, just got a whole lot better. And you got Evan Fournier. Do you need a big player? No, probably not, but there's something wrong. I wonder if Brad Stevens gets fired. I'm starting to think so, too. Not even that Brad Stevens is a bad coach, but just, like, something's got to change. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boston was also rumored to trade Marcus Smart for the fifth straight trading period in the NBA that they didn't again. Which is like the least surprising thing of all time. They're not trading Marcus Smart. I know Jalen Brown has stepped up defensively, but they're not trading their best defensive player. No. So, like... It... <laughs> I, I wish the Marcus Martin trade rumors would stop because it's just like you have literally like they have been rumoring a, a Marcus Smart trade for three years. And guess what hasn't happened yet? Now Marcus Smart trade. trade. Yeah, I, I just think this team is banned. I think something has to change. Do you, is it the GM? Is it the coach? Is it both? I don't know what it is, but if the team is supposed to be this good and, and you can barely muster the eighth seed, then yeah, someone's gotta someone's gotta go. I'm actually in favor too of just trading Kemba Walker 
And I'm surprised uh, that hasn't been discussed as much, knowing that he's kind of not lived up to his potential. I mean, what was it? People said this offseason, Gordon Hayward was injured most of the time in, in Boston and was pretty useless. Mm-hmm. He's actually making Gordon Hayward look dependable. And Gordon Hayward has been better, and that's the thing, too. You got better Gordon Hayward, and why can't you win? I just, I don't know. That's all the NBA stuff I can think of right now. Yep. Uh, I did. Thank you for bringing Boston back up, by the way. Hey, I, no I had forgotten about that. I had forgotten I wanted to ask you that. That's why we have pre-show meetings. Um <laughs> So, uh, other things, just immediately, I want to go to the NFL, and, and we didn't get my epic rant from last week, but I, I won't rant as epically here. Um, here. Here's the thing. Now, I think the Bears, and I again, I won't rant on this, the Bears, because I'm not even mad anymore. I'm just, like, done. The Bears dumping... Uh, dumping on their fans and getting Andy Dalton and cutting Kyle Fuller is just the dumbest fucking, like, why Ryan Pace had a job after he released Kyle Fuller. I want to, like, I seriously want somebody, the next time George McCaskey walks in front of the media, I wish one of them just go, why the fuck does Ryan Pace have a job? Because that is like, the worst deal ever. And Dustin Minkley, do you remember why it was they traded, or they traded, they cut Mr. Fuller? Well, I think they were we trying did. to sign. Well, they were trying to get Russell Wilson. I know that. Well, yes, but they signed Andy Dalton as a capitulation to that, but they were trying to sign Kenny Galladay to help the offense. Okay. Yeah, I knew they talked about it at the time. And Kenny Galladay signed a deal with the Giants. A four-year, $72 million deal. You cut Kyle Fuller so you could sign Kenny Galladay. He left your ass for the Giants. Can we please fire Ryan Pace yet? Holy shit. The Bears sends... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I think it's funny that the team with the worst win percentage is the team that Kenny Galladay went to. Yeah, I don't really get that. I don't really get why he went to the Giants. Is Danny Dimes that attractive? (laughs) Yeah, the Giants are not an attractive choice. He chose so many... He passed over so many teams. And and the Bears wound up being a playoff team. I don't consider them to be one, but... They... He chose the Giants over Baltimore. I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see, well, I I know you know, but like, 
I just don't. I find that so weird. But maybe he likes the city of New York or um, who the who the hell's their coach? What the hell's that guy's Joe Judge? Is he still there? Is that their coach? Yeah, I think that was right. Um, maybe he likes Joe Judge. Like I, uh, I don't know. But yeah, turning down Baltimore, a team that I mean, let's be honest is is Kenny Galladay a number one receiver? Probably not, but sure would have really helped Baltimore and made them a better team. I don't know. Is that enough to say Baltimore wins the NFC North or the uh, AFC North rather? They had could. Galladay. They they have a good shot at it. They really do. The, I think, you know, but some of these signings, I mean, you, you don't get to trade Akeem Hicks or Khalil Mack or Kyle Fuller to Seattle. So you just cut him. Or at least you cut, you cut Kyle Fuller. It's like, that's dumb. Yes. <laughs> you restructure his contract. You don't cut him because now he's with Denver. Oh, hey, by the way, speaking of Russell Wilson, there was a uh, graphic that got posted on ESPN this morning. I want to hear what you think, Justin, before we get into the other NFL free agency signings. Yeah. ESPN on one of their morning shows put up a trade that they said would be fair for Russell Wilson. Three-team deal involves the Jets, Bears, and Seahawks. And hold on to your ass because you're probably going to punch your computer. The deal was Seattle gets... Roquan Smith, a Bears first, and Sam Darnold. The Bears get Roquan, or yeah, the Bears get Russell Wilson, obviously. And I seriously cannot remember what the hell the Jets were even getting. I think it was a first. You trade Russell Wilson for Roquan Smith, a one, and Sam Darnold. That sound good to you? Not really. It really does not. Like, that's bad. The The clear winner of that is the Bears. Because... Yeah. Roquan Smith is a good player, but... he Yeah, he's got a lot of tackles, but... He also misses a lot of tackles. So you get a good middle linebacker, but... Oh, and that and a one for... Russell Wilson, third best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I'd say top three. Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson. I'd say Deshaun Watson, actually. Well, I'm not counting him for a reason we'll get to later. I, I mean, based off of play. Oh. <laughs> based not, off of not necessarily off of playing next year. Uh, oh, God. Which, yeah. yeah, that part. Mr. Watson might not do. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to that, but... Yeah. You know, I I definitely see um, Wilson. If you make that trade, I mean, the Bears kind of had we're in the right direction for the trade. The other thing I don't understand about that trade, Minkley, Khalil Mack doesn't go, Akeem Hicks doesn't go. The money doesn't work for the Bears. No. The other thing that was so stupid about that deal is the money does not work at all. Not even close. Unless they were just assuming Khalil Mack goes somewhere else, and if the Bears have to move Mack anyway, 
Wouldn't Seattle want him? You'd think, but their situation with defense, and again, we'll talk on the free agent part. Um, I think that's not something they're really considering. I think you need either a very specific player on defense mm-hmm. or you need someone that very much fills their need on offensive line to actually for them to consider it. Um, I think the only thing that really stunned me was uh, John Schneider had his legs cut off under him. And <laughs> this is the only time, you know, I'll, I'll really – I don't really side with the Bears on on lopsided trades, but I think the only thing that makes you be mad would piss me off as a Bears fan is Seattle's GM consider it. The coach said no. And we know, uh, based off of, you know, if John Schneider was going to leave Seattle this past offseason or this past season, where would he go? It was because he does not have the final say on a lot of things. That's Pete. Mm. And... Management has kind of let Pete and John do their own thing. Um, that's kind of concerning because you never know, like if if something actually has to be made, trade wise or you know acquisition. I'm I'm a little bit uh, skeptical, not too skeptical, but I am skeptical because of the power dynamic there, mm-hmm. and. With Ryan, Ryan Pace, John Schneider, and Pete Carroll were all at Trey Lance's pro day in North Dakota. So there is that possibility that you could be having another quarterback be groomed. You could may, could have made a better splash on defense and free agency instead of getting rid of Jaron Reed. You got basically the, the defense ready to go. You just need to groom the next QB. And that is a, a situation I think if I was Seattle, I would actually – you know, give it consideration. Um, but other than that, um, I'm not surprised by the fact that this was not a trade. Now, well, I will say, believe it or not, I will give the Bears credit on something. They're not done. They have next year, too. So I think this, the Andy Dalton signing, you know, for one year is actually a smart move on their part because if they want to go after Russell Wilson again, they have pretty much the same leverage. We'll just have to see what Seattle does this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this, you know, out of free agents in football, I mean, uh, this is the Seattle transition I'm going to make. Seattle's been very active, uh, more than I thought they would be in free agency. Um, I was telling you a little bit about this, uh, there are a couple guys they've signed already. They couldn't get Shaquille Griffin back. He's going to the Jaguars instead. He wanted the money. He'll make $29 million guaranteed out of $44, $45 million. Good for him. I'll miss him. Uh, we got some guy at San Francisco. We, we got a handful of 49ers players. And we got, uh, we got a pass rusher who looks to be the real deal from what I've read and heard. We re-signed Puna Ford, Carlos Dunlap, Chris Carson. Uh, We got Gabe Jackson in a trade with the Raiders, which should help the offensive line. Um, But, Mike, I will want to – I actually want to ask. You know, we we talked Mm -hmm. a little bit in the recording that never was about, you know, the Cardinals, and and we've talked about the Rams. 
is knowing now that Seattle, you know, this is the deepest I'm looking at the pass rush now since the Super Bowl winning year. Where do you think Seattle actually fits in the NFC West? How good is Los Angeles? Well, we know about the uh, Matthew Stafford signing, and we had some takes on that before we got on the air. I'm I'm not too confident on them just yet. I mean, I, they still have the cap space issue they got to work out. Yeah. But, <sighs> I, I mean, Arizona to me looks like a team that isn't going to do well. Yes, they got you don't You don't like Arizona, but I do. I think see, Arizona's at least a good team. I think the Niners not completely riddled with every injury in the history of ever is a good team. Um, in fact, probably a pretty good team because that's what you got to remember about them last year. They were shot full of bullet holes. Um, how good are the Rams? If the Rams, you know, if the answer is Matt Stafford's, Matt Stafford does what we've always heard that everybody said he could do if he had a real team around him, then probably second. But if Matt Stafford is a empty stat patter, which I say he is, then yep. first. So I think that depends on what Matt Stafford is. And with my belief on what Matt Stafford is, I'm going to go with Seattle's still the front runner in that division. Yeah, I'm actually going to say, here's my thing. I mean, Gabe Jackson was actually uh, a very surprising pickup in in the best ways. Um, I guess he actually is good. The problem was Tom Cable didn't know how to develop him. So that's actually... Well, that's because Tom Cable doesn't know how to offensive line. As the older I get, the more I find out that is pretty much true. (laughs) But yes, um, so I think Gabe Jackson in that environment, you get the running game and passing game coordinator from the Rams over there who will be a big help. Uh, Russell Wilson even approved of this trade. Pretty much Russell Wilson is the other guy who's helping this team at this point. Well, uh, it is Russell Wilson. That is true. And I feel like this is your team captain overall. You know, you, and you got to appease him too. In yeah, order to he get is back, a top yeah. three quarterback. You're not just going to ignore his wishes. You're not the Packers. The left guard situation is is the big situation to me that needed to be filled, and I think Jackson fills that well. Uh, Jordan Simmons, uh, Chris Agbui, and Ethan Posich being resigned. I'm a little iffy on. The center position is one I'll keep my eye on most of this year, but the rest of the offensive line, especially uh, Brandon Shell, if they can stay healthy, will take strides next year. Um, I, I will say this, that I think the, the Seattle addressing the pass rush situation they have, they're, they're probably going to put LJ Collier in the interior and let, uh, either a trade or, uh, the release of Jaron Reed be the big deal. Uh-huh. But I really like, you know, the, this guy named Carol Hyder, I think who they got from San Francisco, he had eight and a half sacks last year. The Dunlap resigning was absolutely what I wanted above everything else. Uh, he basically waited for Seattle to resign him, and I think that's that shows you how much he wants to be on that team. Um, they need to resign KJ Wright, who has not shown a decrease in play. 
And people have mentioned, should Richard Sherman come back? He is open to the possibility. But I, I really think if this defense takes the field and, you know, because the whole COVID thing and everything, I, I think they will. When, the, when this defense gets on the field, this is going to be a wonderful unit to watch. But do you have enough offensive line for Russell Wilson to stay on the field? Because, yeah, I mean, great defense, but you you use that defense to death and they'll get tired. <laughs> well, and I think this is why when you get the running and the passing game coordinators from the Rams, you get a different outside perspective. Yeah. So they're, I think their voices and, and what they do uh, with the offense this offseason is going to basically, whatever happens, that's going to be the team's future. And I think there has been a debate on do you run it more, do you pass it more. Uh, and I think, you know, the the other loss, too, is David Moore uh, wound up going to Carolina. So Freddie Swain is either going to have to step up or they're going to have to look in the draft, and the draft has a, a good amount of receivers. Mm-hmm. It actually comes down to me, I think, you know, do you use Gerald Everett? Do you do you want to use a six-man set more? Do you want to, you know, run the ball? Do you want to actually, you know, flip Dwayne Brown into a, a trade with someone? Because at 37, you know, he's still got it, obviously, as left tackle. But, you know, how much sooner before you don't know that he's going to be good long-term or at least a couple more years? And... I think for the most part, there, I, there is a good amount of offensive line. I think Damian Lewis needed as a rookie to see what he was going up against. Shell was injured. Uh, the center position is the only one I'm really concerned with. So I would actually say right now, I don't think they're done with the offensive line. I don't think they're anywhere close to being done. You with still the got the draft. You do. You, got, you only got three picks, though, if you're Seattle. No, you still got them. Yeah. So you'll add players that way and whatever UDFAs you want to bring in. You obviously could bring starters out of that. I will say that, you know, if I look, if I compared by the division, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say they have San Francisco beat with not just, you know, the offense was actually what San Francisco. Frisco is going to have the easiest schedule. True. Um, but I think the fact that Seattle's offense actually was an Achilles heel to that San Francisco defense last year, uh-huh. despite the offensive line was a very, is what okay. gives me that vote of confidence. The Seattle defense got better. The Seattle, the, the San Francisco offensive line could be shaky depending on the age and the health impact of guys like Trent Williams midway through the season. Arizona, um, you know, Arizona, I think is a good team. You put them in any other division. Let's say you put them in the AFC West. I actually think they would do a little bit better. The Cardinals. But, but yeah, the Cardinals. But uh, you got the you address the center position. You need to address the tackles because Murray's too short and he needs to go outside the tackles more. Uh, running back, for the most part, you're good. You're giving the ball now to Chase Edmonds, who I like as the better back. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've gotten older at wide receiver with A.J. Green. And you've gotten older on defense a bit with the J.J. Watt signing and now Malcolm Butler. And here's the thing. Patrick Peterson was very good at covering D.K. Metcalf. I don't know when they play who is going to match up against D.K. You can say it's Malcolm Butler, but let's be honest. 
that man hasn't played DK Metcalf yet, and that is going to be a problem for the Cardinals' defense, especially if this offensive line upgrades. Uh, I think we get the Cardinals beat, but the Rams is going to be the big one. That's yep. where we're going to see how good that offensive line is. Uh, understand um, Best Buy McDonald, as I like to call him, because I do I do not like this man at this point. Uh, he feasted on Damian Lewis. That was a rookie last year. I want to see how good Lewis gets this offseason. I want to see mm-hmm. if Gabe Jackson returns to the form he was on before Tom Cable kind of muddled around with him. If those guards hold up, we're actually talking about a deep playoff run at this point. But it just and they and they not traded Russell Wilson. Yeah, and and how much how big would that be for Seattle to go from an instant improvement in basically the past two years on both the offensive and defensive lines to top half of the league? That's a big thing considering your quarterbacks in his prime and you got the receivers, especially Metcalf on a rookie deal. Yeah. DK is so important to them. He is. And I think more importantly, uh, something that is going to actually play a bigger part this season. We've seen Tampa Bay uh, kind of get ahead on this. And they re-signed most of their Super Bowl winning roster. Fournette's back, so they got everybody back. Okay, so that must have been just official then, yeah. Um, that was today. All their important parts of that team last year, in uh, out in ta- down in Tampa, everybody's back. I think that this, if I'm Seattle, this is, you're gunning for the Rams, and most importantly, you're gunning for Tampa Bay. Because I don't see anyone else really in the division who can get to you. I would say more likely Frisco for the record for a record. I don't know if Frisco beats you a couple times, but what I'm saying is like, I think their record could be better than yours just because you have to play division winners and they have to play fours. They have to play Detroit. No. Yeah. They have to play Detroit. uh, The Niners I'm talking about. Yep. They have to play Detroit. They have to play... Who's last in the South? Atlanta. And... Who the heck was last in the East? I actually don't know. The Eagles? Was it? Yeah. So, Philly... Well, Philly will be better. Philly, Philly should be better next year. Um, So, Philly, Detroit, and Atlanta. Whereas the Rams... Or, I'm sorry. The the uh, Seahawks get the pleasure of playing Green Bay, the uh, Washington football team, who's not, who I don't think is going to be as bad as they were last year at the beginning, um, and the Saints. So, yeah, much, much rougher, much rougher division matchups there. And what division do you guys play? Do you know what AFC division? I think it's the AFC South. Eh, so yeah, you'll probably, most teams will probably split there. Yeah, I'm thinking if Seattle plays the AFC South, Indy's given us problems. Um, I think... But you don't even know how good Indy is. Yeah, that is true. Because you don't know how good Wentz is. I think Wentz will be better. I think Indy's actually going to take that division. 
I think the uh, Tennessee train is left. They left. And the secondary, I think, was okay. They had no pass rush, and, and now they lost a couple of their offensive pieces. I want to see how this team can actually, you know, regroup after their playoff loss last year. Mm-hmm. But uh, stopping Derrick Henry. One thing I'll give Seattle credit for is they usually have a top five run game defensively. They that's going to be a big test for that whole defensive line when they play the Titans, because if they can stop Derrick Henry, I don't see any other running back really stopping, like Mm -hmm. putting numbers up on him. They may have an occasional back in the division or. They may have, like, an outlandish performance against one team. But I don't see how you could basically run the ball on that team if that defensive line holds Henry. And the secondary, you know, I Jamal Adams, one thing I want to see with him is how well he can cover. And one thing, you know, a lot of people made fun of Jamal Adams for not catching uh the interceptions he should have. I don't think people realize, Mike, he had two dislocated shoulders and broken fingers. Really? He legit, like, the day after, got his shoulders operated on, had his fingers worked on, make sure they weren't broken. I want to see if he can actually improve in pass coverage. I think he is is a difference maker on defense. A lot of people say he's a linebacker, but... You know, those same people never watch Troy Polamalu play. So, uh, if he if he steps it up in the secondary next year, this this is going to be a very fun season in the Northwest. And then Russell Wilson gets hurt because his offensive line's dead, and it's not a fun season at all. See, why do you talk negatively about this? <laughs> <laughs> So the Bears have done badly. Seattle's done badly. Big winner in free agency is, to me, the New England Patriots. If you're talking about the number of players you're signing, then, yeah, I would say New England. But I would also say, like, for some of these other teams, like, okay, if, if you're addressing needs, um, Seattle is a quiet winner to me, but Tampa Bay, I think, is a winner, too. They kept that whole damn roster together. Brady uh, becomes the first Buccaneer quarterback to sign a second extension with the team. That is wild. Uh, He took less money again to make sure they kept guys like Levante David and Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette. And they're keeping the offensive line together. It's like, how the hell, like, they have even said they haven't played their best game yet. How the hell is anyone going to stop them if they do play their best? I don't know, but then again, I mean, there's a lot of teams where you could say if they play their best. I mean, but the fact that they, everyone was so open saying, like, yeah, we haven't really, like, played our best game yet. And I know, like, yeah, okay, that's a team thing, but let's be honest. How many times were we did we find Tampa to be mediocre last year? Yeah, a lot of it. That, and part, and a big part of it was I actually believe they haven't played their best game yet because no offseason, the whole COVID situation during the summer. I believe that. 
I feel I feel like they're just starting to get going. I would love to see what this team does by week eight next year. I just uh-huh. don't know if they go back to back because I think there's some teams that are better. I I, I still I mean. This sounds kind of stupid, but I still don't think Tampa was the best team last year. They just schemed incredibly well. More than anything. I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, And see, I I feel like you are entitled to that opinion. Because, what was it? I mean, Green Bay looked like they were going to... Go to the Super Bowl most of last year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the the one time they can't co- they couldn't convert in the red zone, something they were solid in all year. <laughs> it's it, it's an up and down league. But I really do believe, you know, looking at this offseason, I agree with you with the 49ers to the point where, you know, if, if this team is healthy, because we saw it their Super Bowl year. When they're healthy, this is a, a dangerous team. And I don't think any of us should take them lightly. Mm-hmm. I do believe that when we're talking about um, the Rams, I think they got Matthew Stafford too late. And let's be honest, we've seen when he gets under pressure with the Lions, he just goes down. I'm not, yes. uh, but, the, but the offensive line helps. Uh, of the Niners and the Rams, I think will be very pivotal to where they go. If they stay healthy, then yeah, they got a great chance of not just, you know, knocking Seattle or Tampa off, but maybe going all the way. Um, The defenses and the cap, you know, I didn't know if you knew this, Jaquiski Tart was actually in free agency and no one wanted to, no one wanted to interview Which is so strange, considering, you know, he's looked really good when he's played with San Francisco. Uh, the Niners resigned him on the cheap. So, uh, I'm, I'm interested to seeing with going into next season, yeah, I think Arizona will be at the bottom, but it, it's going to be a very contested division. This may be the most contested division. Actually, I think the AFC East will be the most contested division. I I do think so, too, to a point. Um, you know, because I just said the Jets will probably be on second. But, you know, Cam Newton has two tight ends he can work with now. Who knows how uh, we know this is going to be a deep draft for wide receiver. Maybe the Pats' offense is going to actually take off this year. And, and we will see about that, Minkley. I'm not so sure about that, but we, we indeed shall see um, when we get there. <clears throat> Sorry, as I stretch out, uh, other things from free agency for me besides the Pats good class, you know, Johnny Smith, really, really good receivers, and they add some defense too. Um, Justin Minkley, uh, there were some more. Good signings around the league, but a team that, and we kind of touched on this with uh, with Mr. Kenny Galladay, somebody that didn't do a whole lot that I kind of figured would do something was Baltimore. It was known Matt Judon wasn't going to come back. 
he he had said so publicly. But what I'm really shocked at, Mike, is Baltimore's commit like they are committed to not give Lamar Jackson anything. Which and, as we've seen doesn't work. Well, and and we there was a whole discussion. I don't know if we talked about it on the last podcast or if it was me and Wesley. Um, but you have players who are really fed up with Greg Roman now. Willie Sneed uh, and Hollywood Brown are the, are the main two that aren't. And Lamar Jackson has said he does not want to be used for running. And this is Greg Roman has basically tuned everyone out. And it looks like management is supporting him at the moment on this decision. They, you wonder if in some cases it's because the receivers spoke out the way they did that deterred maybe someone from coming there, mm-hmm. like Kenny Galladay. But I, I really think it's Baltimore not making a push, being serious about it, and saying, oh, we'll probably address this in the draft is where they, they go wrong. Because Lamar, I don't care what people say about Lamar Jackson. That man was MVP. Mm-hmm. That, he should be getting receiver help. And part of the reason why it's hard for him to throw on the outside edges is because the receivers are ass. Now, can you imagine, you know, I know, I don't know how old you remember, how much you remember him, but imagine if you had Derek Mason 20 years ago, right? The the big thing was Derek Mason was an underused or really under the radar. <laughs> Bless you. The quarterbacks Baltimore had were just ass. Imagine if you put Derek Mason with Lamar Jackson who actually was a good number one for Baltimore. It was just, you know, the quarterback play was terrible. You may actually have a great duo with him and Hollywood Brown if he played in today's game, but they don't have that, and they don't want to get a number one. Uh, I, I want to go through some of the some of the off-seasons that have been had. Uh you know who I think actually had kind of a sneakily good offseason? Who? Buffalo got better. I want to hear this because I don't. Of think... course, did they get Mitch Trubisky? Yes, of course. Um, but Matt Breida has had good minutes at running back for the Niners for a few seasons now, or good minutes. Still thinking about the NBA. Um, has had good snaps at running back for the Niners for a bit now. They signed, old or not, they did sign Emmanuel Sanders, who is still a decent receiver. And they got Matt Milano, who's a good linebacker. So they didn't do anything crazy, but they did get a bit better. So I and, and Buffalo is a team obviously on the up anyway. So while they didn't have the offseason of maybe the Patriots, Hunter Henry, Janu Smith, Trent Brown... Matt Judon, Kyle Van Noy, Jalen Mills. They didn't have that kind of offseason, but they had just a solid offseason. Um, Jets got Marcus May back with the franchise tag. Carl Lawson is a really good signing for that defense. Corey Davis is a great signing for them. If they get a quarterback, the Jets are going to be a worst-to-first candidate. Because now they have a real coach. Yeah. Oh, that is very true. Um, I'm I gotta actually like <laughs> I think it's actually good to let you know that the Jets if development is actually had 
and mm. and how passionate even like the free agents that they brought in are over Robert Sala. Yeah. I would actually say this team has a real chance of winning the division. And you don't I hear think that. Buffalo's too good. I you know what? I don't think Buffalo can re I don't think that I think their window is actually closed. I think John Brown what? was John Brown left this past offseason. Uh-huh. And that is a very solid number two wide receiver they will miss. Um, I think they lost a couple pieces on their offensive line. I could be wrong, but um, that's something that really stands out. Their offensive line was going to be coveted. And I think now that, you know, they went to the conference championship game. You know, we, we don't really address this as much. The teams that go to the Super Bowl are targeted. But the teams who actually win the who or who lose the championship rounds actually have more pressure on them because you got that far. You just couldn't take the next step. And we saw that with Tennessee a little bit last year. We thought Tennessee was uh, going to go a little bit further this year. That didn't happen. But I don't think the Bills can replicate that success. I think they have the defense to uh, be solid. Um. But the offense, I don't know. I I don't know. It's a good thing they have Brian Dabble still. Mm-hmm. But how is how are the Bills going to play teams that have that watch film this offseason and adjust to Josh Allen? Well, that's where you see how good Josh Allen is. Yeah, and I'm not saying you know he's a bad quarterback or he's just mediocre at best. I'm saying that. It could be a punch in the mouth. They just don't recover from next season. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be a little consistent, I mean, you know, I've been down on Kansas City a bit, too. Yeah, you are. You're about, very down on Casey. <laughs> about the offensive line. And now, like, their top two corners, I think, who are still in free agency, I, I think. Yeah, Breland is still out there. Does, doesn't that tell you how bad they are? That no one has signed them. Not even the Bears? I'm signed Breland. Well, not not just the Bears. I mean, look at some of these other cash-strapped teams that maybe could use someone in the secondary, and they just haven't reached out. Um, another decent offseason was Indy. It was pretty quiet, but they did get T.Y. back. And in addition to getting T.Y. back, they signed Xavier Rhodes and made what is a good defense better. Yeah. Which I think is always a good thing to do. <laughs> um... Sneakily good signing in general. Roy Robertson Harris to the Jaguars. He's been an important rotation player for the Bears on defense and is actually an important good Bears player, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and he's been pretty solid. Bud Dupree to Tennessee is another big one. Uh, not only a solid subtra- uh, solid subtraction from uh, the uh, the Steelers, but makes the Titans' defense better. Um and uh, uh, out west, Denver picks up Kyle Fuller. That's where he immediately went back to Vic Fangio after um, after the Bears, for some stupid reason, let him go. Again, I hate that move so much. They, get, they did get Yannick Ngakwe and Jonathan Hankins, but the thing that needs to be talked about more with the Raiders, Mr. Minkley, yeah. four of their starting offensive linemen not back from last year. 
You know, this was apparently the highest paid offensive line in the league, and Tom Cable ran it into the ground. Uh, try, I think the, the stunning thing is Trent Brown said that that was a bad place to play for him. He, he, hate, he did not like being there. Um, I actually view this as a massive loss to the Raiders. I did too. And, and look, I, I'm going to put something out here which may sound stunning, but it's really true. Yannick Ngakwe, wherever he went, that team got worse last season. Minnesota, so, I think, right? Yeah, he went to Baltimore. Minnesota, and I think he went Minnesota. to Baltimore after. And they both, and you know, save the fact that you know Baltimore uh, won a playoff game. Uh, there weren't ready. There were there aren't too many highlights wherever Yannick Ngakwe goes. And yeah, okay, you got the pass rush you needed, but now you have no offensive line. You signed Kenyon Drake for some weird ass reason. Uh, your second best receiver was Nelson Aguilar, and you made no pursuit of any free agent wide receivers. Nope. So. That tells me this team is utter ass. <laughs> and they were a surprise team last year that was like kind of fringe playoffs. And now they take that and do absolutely nothing with it whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, now don't get me wrong. You know, the, we could be saying, wow, they made the right moves by next year as all the offensive linemen they got rid of are hurt or something. Or, yeah. you know, Nelson Aguilar decides to call Bill Belichick a cracker and you never know you you just never know with these types of things but uh it it really looks like if i was to pick a team that had probably the worst off season uh it may not be the bears it's probably the raiders losing the offensive lineman is worse than cutting one of your best defensive players for nothing yeah, because there goes the rest of Derek Carr's career. <laughs> His career is already gone. I'm sorry to tell you. The thing is, though, like, despite the fact it's gone, like, this is, he's still a, an upper QB. Like, how insane is it that, you know, we, we bitch and we moan about, you know, Derek Carr is the, is the QB for the Raiders and nothing's going to change. Well, it's like, I kind of when we ranked Dak, Dak Prescott last year, it was like, well, he's top ten. Yeah, we know he's top ten because everyone else alone is not good. Is bad, yeah. So I mean, yeah, we bitch about paying him, but at the same time, what the hell else are you gonna do? Yeah, which is the the quarterbacking scenario in the NFL right now. It's like, okay, well, he sucks. Well, yeah, yeah, he's not worth five hundred million dollars, but what the hell are you gonna do? Exactly. Uh, Washington football team, I do want to say they won the East and they played better at the end of the year under Ron Rivera and then got better as a team. Um, they get Ryan Fitzpatrick, the journeyman, re-signed Lamar Miller, uh, signed Curtis Samuel. Bigger one here, William, they signed Will Jackson away from Cincinnati and get themselves a little bit of back-end help. The Bears offseason is completely pathetic. Uh, they're playing Jermaine Ionfetti, $5 million. Uh, the, the Packers have done three things, Justin, so far. I would Resign Aaron Jones. Okay. Resign Mercedes Lewis. Damn, that actually happened. And resign the burn machine known as Kevin King. Uh, yeah, I know when we talked with RJ about this, this was utterly hilarious to us. 
RJ not happy. I'm not going to lie. I thought Seattle was going to target him in free. Kevin agency. King? Uh, they have a... They have, a re- they have a thing once in a while of going after players who get burned like toast. <laughs> and I thought, on my life, do not sign this man. <laughs> you have Trey Flowers. That's one player that's bad enough who could weigh down the rest of the roster. I don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to. I really don't. I And lo and behold, Green Bay thankfully resigns him. So... And I read uh, off most of the uh, AFC, I do want to say, uh, and going through the NFC, it's just like there's not as many a- NFC teams that did as much as AFC teams did. I, I guess what the biggest one of the bigger ones is obviously the Bears and their stupidity. And then, you know, New Orleans with re-signing Jameis, getting Ty Montgomery, if, if you fancy that sort of thing. The Buccaneers kept everybody. We've already mentioned the Cardinals, Randy Hudson, J.J. Watt, and A.J. Green, but, like, you know, we already mentioned them. Um, good for – I want to say good for Leonard Floyd. I'm going to take this chance to say good for him. Dude went from being a bust to getting a four-year, $64 million deal. So, you know what? Good for him. I think – so, this is a very interesting conversation to hold because – in the AFC, you're right. I think part of it is like the Chiefs are still the standard, despite yep. them losing the Super Bowl. It, it's an arms race. And that's kind of what I appreciate about the AFC last year. It was more competitive than the NFC was. Absolutely. You had more players uh, trying to stack on super teams, or at least whatever the hell they are these days in the NFL. Um, and it's all about who's going to try and knock KC and Buffalo off the pedestal. Because Buffalo's been consistent with being good. They just they finally took the first step of getting back to the Super Bowl this year. And I think that's why you have a lot of these teams, you know, you have the haves and the have nots in the AFC, which is kind of And Tennessee is really trying to get into that it's firmly into that have section. Well, they were, except they lost Corey Davis. Uh they lost Janu Smith. Um and I think they lost. I think they lost someone on the offensive line. I could be wrong about that. Defensively, uh, they lost their whole secondary. Yeah, so they get Bud Dupree. Great. Uh, Bud Dupree is still injured right now. So I. I don't think I want to see what Tennessee does. You mm-hmm. know, for the first half of next year, if that pass rush comes off strong, we're having a different conversation. If it's only Bud Dupree. I'm not really gonna hold Tennessee to anything. I, I but I view this as the as the conference of haves and have-nots. The the AFC East and uh, maybe a couple teams outside like the Colts or the Chiefs, uh, the Chargers. Yeah, I was gonna say the the toe the middle line past the have and the have-not thing would be an Indy or a. Well, I'd say Tennessee is a have because of Derrick Henry, but yeah. um, it would be uh, the. The line tower is Indianapolis. Uh, and I will say, and Denver, whatever you think of Cleveland, home. what do you think of Cleveland? Are they are they have or have not? Uh, it depends on what secondary they get. I think that's their biggest issue. But I would actually say Denver is in this category, except for the quarterback. So this could yeah. be where they're the team you draw the line at. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the the, the AFC North outside of Cleveland looks like poverty. <laughs> like, I think we talked about this last week. The Browns are probably going to be the favorite to win the division, but it's probably because Baltimore sucks on offense. Uh, Pittsburgh, well, they're going to continue what they had last year and probably no Joe Burrow for the Bengals. So it's going to be the free space for the Browns. They can actually, like, play like they did last year. I think Baltimore is going to be good in the regular season. I just don't think they're going to do well in the playoffs. And I think Pittsburgh, yeah, I'll agree with the Pittsburgh having no chance next year. Then again, Justin, that's what I said about them last year, too. I, I understood by Pittsburgh last year. And yeah, the later the season went on, I saw what you were talking about. Um, but I think there's going to be an, a mutiny on offense in Baltimore. I really do. I think they're going to say, "Fuck you, Greg Roman," and, and try to run him out of town. And we'll see if it would actually make him better. I think it will if we're talking about, you know, Lamar Jackson being a quarterback. Uh-huh. And not, and not just a runner. Yeah, not just a hybrid between a running back and a QB. Which, again, I just don't understand because you got it proven to you, to your face, now twice, that that doesn't work. Greg Roman doesn't adapt. That's the thing. Like, everyone figures out the scheme once in a while. And like, it's like, just... in your face, this doesn't work. This is the reason you lose games in the playoffs. This doesn't work. Why don't you fix it? No. Apparently they don't want to. Why Why won't you fix it? We don't want to. Like, no. <laughs> that's, that's bad management. And John Harbaugh is a good head coach, but he can only go so far. Yeah, it, he's actually shown me he can build a roster up so much. I would I would actually say, you know, going back to the NFC, uh, by the way, you know, the NFC is where I think because, you know, Tampa's won the Super Bowl and, and now it's like the Tom Brady model is going to be, okay, keep as much of the team as you can, just add little pieces in. Now, I think that's really smart. Um, you're seeing Seattle do it, minus, you know, they, they weren't really active. They, they made some moves. Okay, but it's about the salary cap, retaining some of your guys on, on less money. Right. Um, you're seeing that with Green Bay because they they've done absolutely squat. Like so, I said, three moves and not I don't mean major moves. I mean, like moves at all. As far as signings. This yeah. uh, San Francisco, for the most part, you know, besides getting Alex Mack, they've kind of. They lost. Okay, Kendrick Bourne goes. Great. No one gives a shit. Richard Sherman said he wasn't going to be back. Um, well, yes, he's 37, so. Oh, jeez. Is he really? I think. I'm pretty sure. Jeez. Richard Sherman is an old ass man. Yeah, let me go look. I'm pretty wow. sure. Maybe it's not. Maybe 37 is a bit of an exaggeration. Hang on. <laughs> oh, no, he's only 32. I thought yeah. he was his uh I thought he was like 34 35 last year. 32, sorry. But still, for a corner, old man. And has played like one. They lost a couple of role players on defense, but really they've locked in 
uh, guys like Jaquiski Tart and Trent Williams. The Rams are, I, I think the Rams would be the only team I would say went against the grain with that trade in Stafford. Mm-hmm. Um, the but Hebrew they team, needed a big swing. The Rams needed a big swing to do something. Exactly. That's the thing. The Rams actually needed to. Outside of that, you know, in the NFC, you don't really have that. I mean, the, the closest. The Bears punted. Like, who are your teams that needed huge offseasons to get over the hump? Like, Green Bay doesn't need a huge offseason. They need another whack at the Packers. Or I at, would say uh, at the Bucks. Dallas. Because. Resign Dak. Resign Dak. And you need some defensive pieces. It looks like they're probably not going to get Alden Smith back. Um, but their important move was just to lock down Dak. And they did. Yeah. Um, and, and who else needed to do big things? The Bears. Well, they punted and did nothing and, in fact, got worse. <laughs> the Rams took their big swing, and let's see how it works out for them. I do, at minimum, applaud the Rams for taking the swing at it and not the Bears' half-assed swing at it, the actual full, full-throated full swing at it. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, I think is, is beyond, they didn't do much, but I think they're beyond doing something. Washington got better. I think Washington got good enough to win their own division. Um, the Eagles had to move on from Carson Wentz. So like they didn't kind of do anything by proxy, but I mean, really the only NFC East team that got that much better was Washington. The NFC South, Breeze is gone, so what are the Saints? So, all right, boys, who's going to move to capitalize? Nobody. You know, it, like, Tampa's probably going to win that division free and clear. The South. Yeah, it's something else I don't think people realize is uh, the Falcons have only 40 players on that roster and are below the cap. Or, or over the cap. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the South is basically where the salary cap really hit teams. And Except for the team that Brady took a big kooky pay cut for. Well, and that's the thing. Carolina's salary cap is wide open because they don't have anyone worth it on their roster. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a t- one of the few teams you could say is rebuilding in almost every facet of, their, of the whole team. But I would say the, the Philly trade, getting Carson Wentz to Indy and... You know, whatever they get back for him, I think that was a major move that was basically starting the NFC because they said they were done. Yep. And, and that's a big move for Indy because it's like, here's your, sh- it's like a shot with less risk. Yeah. Um, but even teams like Arizona, uh, the Hudson deal is all right. Um, they added role players. They added uh, elderly role players. The Vikings added role players. Um, Which, I mean, they kind of just shored up whatever six-win team that they are. Yeah. Uh, the Bears. You know, they didn't get Russell Wilson. But they. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> the Giants. They, they, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. This team looks like ass. Yeah, and, and I 
if I look back at all the games last year, I have to ask Seattle, how the fuck did you lose to the Giants? <laughs> Again. Just just like when the Bears in 2018, when they went 12 and 4, and I was like, how the fuck did we lose to the Giants again? You're just like me. I I don't really get what the Giants are doing with their organization. Um, I think the only big move we could see in the AFC is whatever happens with Deshaun Watson. Because I think there were... Well, unless the Jets trade for Wilson. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. No, um, I don't think so. The, uh, but, you know, it's interesting. I don't, um, do you have anything you want to chip in for free agency real quick? Um, no. Yeah, so I think this is actually a really good, important uh, pivot to this category. Because um, we are, you know, pretty, we talked a little bit on the last episode that wasn't aired about, the Deshaun Watson situation. And there have been some things like Houston was privately exploring options to trade him. Uh, you have some teams that are saying that you only have six teams that would basically make the trade now if everything stood. But, uh, Mike, I got to ask you, the NFL has looked into this and they said this is probably going to warrant a suspension anyway. Uh, well, you know, with 22 women suing you for sexual assault, uh, I don't think the suspension's going to matter. Go on. Um, well, there's this little thing called prison. (laughs) That makes you not play football too good. So, yeah. Uh... Deshaun, oh, that article was... Okay, I'm just going to do a little mini rant here for a second. Google Chrome, stop setting Yahoo to my search engine. Yahoo's search engine sucks my nuts. Sorry. No, I, I, I don't blame you. Um, yeah, so Deshaun Watson is getting sued by a lot of women, which is bad. And they have Instagram DMs and text messages that shows him setting up massage appointments with these women, which is bad. Um, let's see. Uh, 16 lawsuits. Actually, I think it's 22 accusers, 16 lawsuits. I know I saw a number in the 20s somewhere here. Um, yeah, so, and apparently one of these incidents happened as recently as this month I saw in an article. So that's kind of bad. Um, yeah, and basically the Watson things range from lewd comments about women and, like, grinding on them and doing suggestive things to straight-up ejaculating on them, and what was... what uh, He didn't... I don't think he forced himself on a woman. It was something very weird. Um, like, he, like, pulled out his Johnson and rubbed himself on her. Like, it was very something very strange. Um, so, and there's at least a couple of these that are straight up sexual assault. Yeah, I I mean, the one, you know, some of these got really graphic, like you said, the one where he he ejaculates on one. Uh, the whole thing. But she was unwilling, it should be said. Allegedly. Yeah. Um, the one, there, there are a few, uh, the one with his anus, and I'm going to use the scientific term for that. Uh, Wait, that's, what is that one? Uh, having 
There, are, there was one, I think, was a Jane Doe 13 or 14 said, like, he wanted his anus massaged. Ew. Or something. Like, that That actually came up within what this past week. Ooh. Um, so there's that. Um, yeah, so I, I like to read Dan Wetzel once in a while. Sometimes I just want to punch him through the computer uh, because he's, like, a straight idiot. But there, there are some very investigative pieces he does. They're very good. And two that he had recently uh, there on my Facebook page, Mike, if you want to take a look. Um, so first off, let's consider, you know, that he's innocent. One of the big things that I think a lot of us aren't asking is, how the hell was he not getting professional massages or professional treatment i mean the the example i'm going to use is russell wilson here because they are in the same class on a lot of things uh sex life doesn't look like to be one of them but <laughs> why so wilson you know he does stuff with the team and everything because he's one of the leaders and he's good and you know he he's very healthy you know, you have team physicians and you have team coaches. And then when you're outside the team, you know, you have your own QB coach. You have your own health nuts. You have your own uh, people that help you do whatever. That's professional because you need it, especially if you're the leader of the team. Watson doesn't have that. And it's very shocking that, you know, okay, he hates the Texans at this point. But the fact he's never had that or he doesn't have his off field people he's looking for people who aren't well known on instagram now that to me looks predatory because it's like if something goes wrong you can bury them you're talking about and some of these allegations say a good number of these women didn't know certain types of things that he was looking for asking for um so I think the question should be brought up, you know, why is he looking for people who aren't well-known or don't seem, you know, professional if you're seeking them out on their own Instagram pages? And we can ask some other questions too, but Mike, uh, there is a disturbing part about this, and this has to do with, I think, Jane Doe either 15, if that's the number I have correctly, so Jane Doe 15 actually filed an allegation in May 2020. And I think the specific date was May 28th, 2020. Uh, she actually had notified her mom and her close friends. And actually, I believe, I don't want to actually be misquoted here. I believe she went to the police. I can't say for certain that that's actually true. I will go back and look at the article. But this was swept under the rug by the media. And say what you want about the civil suits and the fact that, okay, fine, it's double-digit women. Some of these may be false. Some of these may be true. That's the one that right now looks like that could be the most damaging. Well, I mean, you do. Then again, this is also the same league that has the Washington football team running around in it who, when they trade for Reuben Foster, says, oh, domestic violence is such an overblown issue. If you're good at <laughs> yeah. football, the league doesn't care. I, I get that. 
Um, but I think it, it is very interesting in this scenario, and I, I think I will go back to the example I used previously. You know, we look back at the Ryan Pace decision to draft Mitchell Trubisky. You know, the, the Dan Weeder and the Rich Campbell, uh, very uh, descriptive piece that they did about why Ryan Pace was enamored with Trubisky and Mahomes, but never on Watson. And, you know, we as fans look at that as, dude, what the hell? Watson's right there. But the fact that this is coming out now, you have to ask yourself, do general managers know more than they let on? I mean, the fact that he was never considered. And we've seen, with maybe the exception of Anthony Miller, most of those guys have pretty clean records. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anthony Miller is just not a good guy on the field. (laughs) And that they're looking to get rid of him. So you could say in some ways, Ryan Pace is the wholesome general manager of the league since he doesn't want people like that. And he's wholly terrible. Yeah, he's wholly terrible. I'll I'll give him that too. But how much do you think like, you know, looking back at it now, it's like, could this be a reason why, you know, some teams like even the Jets or, the Bears or even San Francisco, you know, when when they made that trade for Garoppolo, it's like, did some of these general managers know this? Because and one of the things that I, I want to make a reference with this too is let's say these allegations are true. We we've been seeing like some of these are as recent as this month. How much of this happened at college? Well, and that's supposedly where some of this stems back to is college, which makes sense because there I mean he would have been the most powerful man in the town that wasn't, you know, that wasn't Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, him and Dabo basically, I think, got Clemson back on the map. And I think what's mm-hmm. really surprising here is, you know, if this, if some of this actually is proven true, especially in his college days, you know, what does the NCAA do about penalizing Clemson? Then? It's like Clemson's got to get something. Because yeah. it's a, you know, serial issue that you the team did not address. Yeah. And I feel like the, there are questions that haven't really been asked that now we have to think, okay, well, this isn't just one or two cases. This is like, this is in some ways turning into a class action lawsuit in the making. The, yeah, this is a systemic problem. And... Uh, dare I say, you know, I, I don't like Bill O'Brien, but you know, how much does Bill O'Brien actually know mm. about this too? I mean, remember they were 0 four when they fired him. If he was there as coach could have, th- some things that didn't get out probably would have. And this, this to me just doesn't, first off, this isn't any type of good situation, period, but no. Uh, something to consider too is this was someone we thought was a really stand-up guy. Yup. This was supposed to be a clean-cut stand-up citizen. Yeah. You know how many? You know how many? Uh, what was the thing about work done and the and the people he housed and Sean Watson's family was one of them and he's doing the same thing that Dunn does. And it's like you kind of have to do a double take now. Because you really don't know if it's true or not. 
Right. Which is so sad. You never want to find out the hero becomes a villain. <laughs> or was a villain the whole time. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on this? Like, you know, we, we I talked... think this is bad. And he's... I think it is more likely he's bound for not football next year than football. Although, then again, this is the NFL. So I don't know. No, I will say um, the worst case scenario is he becomes Michael Vick and gets a few years. Yep. You know, the the thing was, he's not Ray Carruth. He didn't kill a pregnant woman and, and, got, and get 30 years for that. Not yet, at least. Uh, but you have to think, or at least ask yourself, do you still see him being traded? Do you, what do you see, like, playing-wise? Because you say, like... Somebody okay. acquires his, uh, you know... Maybe it's Houston that just rides it out on the innocent until proven guilty thing, but there's teams that have a certainly checkered history with that, and I think Washington would be a good candidate for if Houston sinks the asking price because the guy's on trial and Washington acquires him and he gets found innocent or you know can still play football and doesn't go to prison, um, then Washington has a great quarterback incredibly cheap. And... Dan Snyder, Ruben Foster is the most recent example, is a guy who will do that sort of thing and not have any shame whatsoever. Speaking of which, Dan Snyder is supposed to buy out the minority owners of the football team's stakes and completely own the team. So if you think there's any good guy in that organization now, think again. (laughs) Yep. Uh, But I agree with you. I think because, you know, the AFC... Or not the AFC, the NFC East is in tatters. And the Ryan Fitzpatrick signing isn't really uh, the bona fide you're going to get to the playoff signing for Washington. Um, I could see them making a run, but I could also see a team that's very desperate selling their souls to get someone. uh, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to find a nice way to say it, but yeah, if. You know, if Watson's coming back after a year of play and you have a team that's desperate to try and win a Super Bowl and they and they want to that bad, I mean, you could see it. You really could. I would say the Bears might, but I don't think that flies. No, Ryan Pace is too wholesome. He's made that decision already. Yeah. I just, I really, really, really don't think they would do that. Um... Oh, let's see. I'm I'm trying to give her a think here, Minkley. Um, any other? Oh, uh, the big NFL news of today, the 26th, as we sit here. Um, Miami Dolphins trade the number three overall pick. They get a 2022 second pick number 12 and two other first-round picks in 2022 and 2023 from the San Francisco 49ers. So the Niners now sit at number three. And apparently say that they are not taking a quarterback, which then why the hell did you trade up to number three? Unless you're tra- taking, um, let's just name Devonta Smith, the wideout for Alabama, um, from Alabama. And uh, then the Dolphins were at 12, then traded with Philly to get back up to number six. And that trade was the Dolphins send over pick number 12 
The Eagles send over pick number six. The other stuff involved there, Dolphins send the Eagles their 2022 first-round pick. So remember, they had the Niners one there. So they don't need their own first-round pick. They sent that to the Eagles, and they also moved up uh, 30 spots in the draft. I think the Eagles gave them, or the Eagles got 153 and gave the Dolphins 124, which is like a fifth for a third, or a fifth for a fourth. So, yeah, so that well, that one's interesting. Um, Miami making some moves, acquiring more capital, and Adam Schefter put this on his Twitter. The Dolphins turned Laramie Tunzel into four firsts in a second, or uh, four firsts and third, excuse me. Yeah, wasn't there something about years ago that Laramie Tunzel had a gas mask on in one of the That's videos? That's the reason that Laramie Tunzel wound up there in the first place is because he was going to be the number one tackle, going to be a top three pick. And then the day of the draft, somebody that didn't like him very much released a video online of him taking a hit from a bong in a gas mask. <laughs> and so then Droogs came up and his stock plummeted. And he went to Miami and was Droogs. just as good as everybody expected. Yeah. And was a really good player and didn't have drug problems. I I find this whole trades thing hilarious because it's like, think about this, Michael. This is exactly how the 49ers fleece the Bears. Like, they, they gave up all those draft picks to move up. And, yeah, okay, it was one spot for the Niners. In this case, but I I think they're drafting a quarterback. You can't. There's no way someone's that dumb and says, "Oh, you can't trade drafting. three firsts and then not get a QB." Yeah, exactly. They're getting either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, and they're that's how it's going to be. They're going to draft one of those two. There's no way <laughs> this team is going to bypass those two quarterbacks and get something like, you know, a running back for the, or find the the next version of Matt Breida. Sorry, I'm not buying it. Uh, John Lynch is not a stupid guy. Um, now, I do think his top three overall drafting is ass. So I think this is a loss for the Niners because they're gonna, they lost all those picks for the following years. So congratulations, San Francisco. You're fucked. Um, but give... I like what Miami does here because Miami. I do too. I love it. Miami is actually taking a bet on Devonte Smith still probably being in that top five by the time that their pick is up. I think getting the Eagles pick first, and the Eagles are dumb too. Let's let's add them into that conversation. They're idiots. No, but, actually, I disagree with that. I don't think there's anything at six that makes Philadelphia significantly better than anything's at 12, and you get an extra first-round pick. I actually really like the Philly move. So you I don't really like, like the fact that they could get a quality receiver mm-hmm. or offensive line? I think you can get that at 12. I don't think they, – they went six spots for a first and a, a swap in the later rounds. I think that's a great move for the Eagles. I think this is an awesome move for Miami because – I don't really think you needed the number three pick and you wound up down at 12 and then you wound up at six. So in all reality, you said, all right, 
Um, we just moved down from number 12. Like, this is what they basically did and what they wound up doing. They moved down from three to six. And in the process, got two firsts, a third, turned a fifth into a fourth. That's fantastic value for three spots. Can we also point out that the Texans were so bad this year that the Dolphins traded out of the draft pick? (laughs) Yeah, really. That just hit me like, damn, they really traded out of that draft pick. Yep, after... because you look at Miami and you're like, hey, wait a minute, Miami was Miami was good. No, that's the Houston pick. Yeah. And you know who could really use top three pick, especially if your quarterback winds up having some prison time? Or Houston. Some time? Houston. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> Thank you there, Mr. Bill. Thank thank you, buddy. At, uh, boy, boy, that tenure. Whoo, that tenure just gets worse and worse, don't it? it? It really does. The Bill O'Brien thing just gets worse with time. Yikes. I can't believe, like, if he stayed, he probably would have traded Deshaun Watson for a bag of Cheez-Its. <laughs> That's about what he got. For freaking DeAndre Hopkins. Speaking of yikes, yikes, it's two, it, we're at two hours and I still wanted to go to the gym today. And yes, my Damn. fat and lazy ass is headed to the gym. Yeah, don't be like Marshawn Lattimore. Oh, that's, thank you. I was like, what's the other player-related news? I swear to God we had something else player-related, but that's what it is, Mar- uh, Mr. Marshawn Lattimore, let me call up that Espen article real quick. Yeah, so here's the thing. I mean, the Saints have had so many cap casualties, uh, minus Taysom Hill, because apparently he's untouchable. But Janoris Jenkins goes to Tennessee. Oh, where, by the way, uh, I forgot to tell you the gun was stolen. The gun was stolen. Oh, oh, that's even better. <laughs> New Orleans Saints quarterback Marshawn Lattimore arrested Thursday night in his hometown of Cleveland for possessing a loaded handgun that was believed to be stolen, according to Cleveland police. This is oh, that a, makes it so much better. This is an article from Mike Triplett, ESPN.com staff writer. According to jail records obtained by Cleveland.com, Lattimore was booked in the Cuyahoga County Jail, arrested by Cleveland Police, uh, C- Cleveland Police's gang investigators. Uh, he was a passenger in a vehicle that was stopped for multiple traffic violations at 10.30 p.m. Thursday night. This just gets better. He was found to have a loaded gun in his possession. He was arrested on charges of uh, carrying a concealed weapon with failure to notify and receiving stolen property after the gun was later found stolen out of a lucid Ohio. Um, the two drivers, the two people that were in the car with Lattimore arrested for DUIs. <laughs> or sorry, having weapons while under the influence. The driver was arrested for uh, improper handling of motor vehicle. I read the DUI thing wrong for a second. Um, Saints, no comment about their 24-year-old star corner that just got arrested for stealing, for reportedly stealing a gun and not even having it right. 
and the three buddies he was in the car with all got arrested too. Well, that's probably bad. I don't think Lattimore's going to go to jail or anything, but that's that's probably bad. Don't you think? Yeah, especially uh, kind of like I, what I said. I mean, Janoris Jenkins got caught, so he and he's going to Tennessee, so there's a possibility that you don't have your top two starting corners to begin this season. Yeah, if he, I think, I think him getting suspended would be a definite possibility. Because um, stealing a loaded gun makes you wonder how we got it. Yeah, like I said, you know that this is not on par. But you know, is this the same PR firm that uh, you know did Kevin Spacey's sexual assault allegations? Hmm. Where he said, where instead of saying, yeah, or no, this didn't happen, they say, they tell him, just say you're gay. Get it over with. <laughs> like, they, this can't be the same firm, I'm hoping. <laughs> All right, Migley. Well, we, like I said, we've done over two hours, and I'm good. How about you? I am good, actually. Uh, I think we're going to see a couple more transactions, of course. Uh, KJ Wright is still out there for anyone still interested. I think Did they be on Clowney? Jadavion Clowney, the, uh, there have been suggestions he could go back to Houston, which I would find absolutely hilarious if that's the case. Um, let's see what other trades take place, too, because one thing that, as we've learned with Russell Wilson, some contracts kick in in April. Mm-hmm. And if we're trading draft picks, we still may have some players that will be drafted. So let's see how that goes. And uh, quick note for you, the NHL trade deadline is on April 12th. So things to happen before then. We have a couple of weeks still. Correct. Another quick note. Uh, White Sox lose left fielder Aloy Jimenez for the year because he's a dumbass. Oh, God, what do he do? Spring training game, completely meaningless. Ball got absolutely crushed. And he jumped up on the left field wall to try and grab the ball for Lord fucking knows Rudd Weezen because it wasn't anywhere near him. And um, the wall at the stadium they were playing at in Arizona has, like, a metal fence. So he, like, grabbed onto it with, with both, like, with one arm and then had, like, his left arm, he grabbed onto the fence. He had his feet on the fence. And um, with his right arm, he had it with, that had his glove on it. He had it up and over the fence. Well, he jumped back off and didn't know what the hell he was doing and left his left arm on the fence as he jumped off and tore muscles in his uh, shoulder. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. I think it was pectoral. I think. So now he's out five months. The... Um, an MVP caliber bat for the White Sox out five months because he's a complete idiot in the field. And is just be, like, I, I, I've i been called like people that uh, ruptured pectoral tendon. So it's in his chest. It's a pec. Um, people have been called stupid for saying Eloy needs to DH because he can't field. And I think you can hide a guy who can't field and left, especially the way the Sox are constructed with Luis Robert, who's going to win a crap ton of gold gloves in center field and has plenty of range. 
But um, when he's so stupid and dangerous, and this is like the third time he's hurt himself, I'm sorry. You can't let him play the field anymore. Whatever that means, that asset, damn what that means for Andrew Vaughn, that asset needs to be protected. So you've, you've lost an MVP bat for months because... Basically, he's an idiot when it comes to fielding. So, time to put him the DH, guys. Anyway, that's it for us today. Uh, two hours and about, well, probably going to get to 10 minutes because Mickley has to do his plugs. Yeah, I was actually going to say, you know, as bad as that Aloy Jimenez situation is, it's not that Cubs rookie who brought in like all that meth and drugs. Well, it was a guy in the Cubs minor league system. Yeah, I know. It's still funny that the Cubs got involved with And that, it was but... in baseball bag. <laughs> it was in his fucking baseball bag, which is just, what the fuck? Literally. There's like 25 pounds of meth and a pound of codeine or something. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, that's talk of it. You know, I'm surprised the MLB didn't like do an investigation for like, so why are players bringing drugs in? <laughs> well, he's a 25-year-old minor leaguer. The dude doesn't exactly have money. Meanwhile, the owner's in uh, Cancun. Oh, oh, no. That's right. He's related to Ted Cruz, probably, but he isn't Ted Cruz. <laughs> he just looks like him. Uh, okay, plugs. Cancun <laughs> Cruz. <laughs> oh, my God. Ted Cruz, a guy so nice... He tried to throw his wife and kids under the bus. For the porn star he liked on Twitter. In Cancun. Damn, you didn't find that funny? I I thought you would, damn. No, I didn't know about the porn star thing. Oh my god, there was so sometime like three years ago he liked he liked some porn on his official Twitter account. (laughs) It was like mom porn or like that's what I see of him in, his, in Cancun. Shoving the fam under the bus, liking porn on Twitter in Cancun. Uh, 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 yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't play a role in Texas while the guy who I've beaten before was setting up food banks and doing good things that a representative should do, but uh, my wife made me do it. I, I Your can't wife under that. the bus? You're an asshole. I mean, uh, my daughters made me do it. We just threw your kids under the bus. You're an even bigger asshole. My plugs <laughs> are as follows. No Marks Allowed podcast. New one up this week. We watched WWE Fastlane. Uh, oh, boy. You'll hear our thoughts on that god-awful piece of crap. And, uh, uh, no, seriously, it is. It's It's god-awful. Um, and you will, and also I will, I will say recruitment season is coming up. So, uh, if you think about joining the pro baseball experience, please do, um, get your own player, watch your career blossom and bloom as you do tasks every week to make your player even better. And we are just about at recruitment season. Uh, we're just about at the playoffs. So that's my little plugs. Oh, by the way, PBE, uh, you can find at, uh, just the mosey on over to your Google machine and put in the pro baseball experience. You can see the streams on uh, PBE sim on Twitch 
And with that, I'm going to say for Justin Mickley, I am Michael Dion. And I, everybody... My plugs. What happened to my plugs? I thought you did them. I did not. Oh, well, then what happened? Oh, right, right, right. Uh, Cancun Cruise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Michael. Well, you had your time to speak, and then we got into that, and I like forgot. So, so Mickley, do your plugs or tag out. So uh, the NHL first half analysis of the season is up. There are some very good things to look out for, especially since the trade deadline is coming up. And some teams are probably knocked out of the playoffs, let's be honest, at this point. So you can check that out on jdsportscorner.wordpress.com. I, of course, manage the Sports Fixins podcast page and the Pro Talk Facebook page that me and Wesley Woods have. We put the recent episode or an episode we had last week up. We should have this week's version up either tonight or this weekend. So you don't want to miss out. All right. Is that your plug so I didn't yes. skip you? No. All right. With that, I'm going to say, everybody, what, what? what? No, I said you didn't skip. Oh, I, I heard you say what? something. And I'm like, I'm like, what? What now? No, everybody, no. have a good morning. Good afternoon. Shut up, Bakley. Have a good morning, good <laughs> afternoon, good evening, and a good night. And uh, bye-bye, everybody. We're a 